the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like that. Up. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing I've ever re- seen. It go- I am all about just it. strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hello and welcome back to the Boga Hunting Podcast, everybody. This is a show for hunters of all skill levels looking for knowledge and experience. So follow along and let's strengthen your hunt. First light. First light camo. We uh, rock a lot of their gear a lot of the time. In fact, on a daily basis, I wear an article of First Light clothing. Great stuff. If you are a whitetail hunter, it's great stuff if you hunt out west. We love it. Their wool is top of the line. Merino wool is the way to go. Firstlight.com. Another sponsor of this podcast is HuntWise. It's an app that's basically your one-stop shop when you want to do anything with hunting on your phone. It's got social media. It's got mapping software. It has a place to buy gear. It's it's awesome. If you want to learn more, go to HuntWise.com. Handcrafted in a small northern Michigan town, Bivouac Bow Company is Michigan's premier traditional archery manufacturer. Their machines and sanders are all purpose-built, and they only use the highest quality materials available. To meet the bowyers in their truly one-of-a-kind bows, visit bivouacbowco.com. If you haven't heard yet, there's a lot of buzz around saddle hunting these days, and if you're anything like us, you want to use the best gear available. If you're thinking of trying your hand at saddle hunting this year, don't settle for some knockoff brand. Use the saddle company that has been doing it since 1961. Visit trophyline.com to find out more. One of the reasons we've been so successful hunting in the backcountry is because we've had quality products to work with, and we've decided to partner with Seek Outside for a couple of reasons. All their products are really made to improve the backcountry experience, whether that's backpacks, tents, stoves, or other backcountry gear. These guys really know how to make a quality product. So if you want to learn more, head over to SeekOutside.com. Last but not least, Stierka. Optics. Sturka Optics. Do you say Stirka? I say Stirka. Great binoculars, great rifle scopes. Yeah. I'm actually going to be rocking one on my uh, AR build that I have. A little red dot action. Mm-hmm. Great warranty made in the U.S. Uh, check them out. Sturkastrong.com. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Hot Bar. The hunt, the hot bar. Get welcome it together, to man. <laughs> the Boga Hunting Podcast. And I've got an explanation for why I... I am not next to Jared, why I'm not thinking clearly for this podcast, because I actually have, and my family has had uh, the COVID virus, and so I'm quarantined, and actually Michigan is now in a shelter-in-place situation anyway, so I couldn't see Jared even if, even if I wanted to. So today, you know, he's going to probably take the lead while I back him up. Okay. So yeah, Jared, Tom, did I do all right? Yeah, you did fine, and I don't think, Tom, we've ever, ever been introduced, so I would like to say, well, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm I'm good, really good. Good. Uh, it's uh, kind of late for a turkey hunter. Uh, you know, we we, we typically uh, go to sleep pretty early, but uh, I think I'll be all right. I hear you. I hear you. Get through this. I, I, I hate to hear that. Uh, did you, James? Did you say you have the coronavirus? Yeah. Well, okay, so my wife had it um, confirmed. I don't know, maybe a week ago, and yeah. now I'm getting sick. And so, yeah, I mean, I haven't been yeah. tested, but I'm assuming. I've, 
she hasn't left the house and I haven't been able to because I was exposed to her, but I've, I've right. got a fever. And the the weirdest thing is the, the shortness of breath, like walking yep. up a hill or I walked to get my mail and I'm like, I had to stop yesterday. Wow. It freaked me out. But yeah, we're, we're doing well. It's just, I'm ready to your, be a live your, human being. Is your wife doing better? She is. Yeah. She's, um, she's feeling better than I am. And now my daughter, I've got a seven year old who has some symptoms, but you know, the kids actually show like it affects them supposedly least, or at least I'm, I'm praying that it does. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're good spirits. Just, uh, I haven't left the house in a while. Well, I'll uh, definitely keep you and your family in my prayers. Um, well, thank you. Yep. What? Uh, in, in fact, we could we could reschedule for another time if 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 that would be better for y'all. I really don't. No, mind. no, no, no. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while, and plus, okay. like turkey season's coming, and uh, sure. I have only so much time to get all the information I can uh, <laughs> ahead of time. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm good. If, if y'all are cool, yeah, and, and Jerry, good to meet you over the phone there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping maybe we can meet in person sometime in, a, in the near future because I always like meeting people who we talk to in person rather than you know over the phone. Yeah, or, so absolutely, absolutely. Maybe we could uh, go turkey hunting one of these days. Ooh, now now you're talking my language. I am trying to I am trying to kill a turkey in in all fifty states. I've only got fourteen down so far. Did did I? Did I see that y'all are in Michigan? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have Michigan. I'm just saying. So, well, come out whenever you're ready. We're going to show you where maybe there might be a turkey, possibly. When I say <laughs> turkey hunter, but we uh, we do know how to get into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't want well, to kind of kick this thing off. I don't know how much James has kind of briefed you on kind of what we're doing with the podcast and our social media accounts. But um, what we do typically is we'll take a month and focus on – something different different related to the hunter and hunting tactics for that month so this is going to be for april and we're going over turkey hunting um especially for this um week that we're going to be in that this episode is going to be in it's going to be turkey decoys so i was hoping Mm -hmm. james and i can kind of pick your brain on everything there is to do with turkey decoys because it seems like you're kind of the subject matter expert in this area if i'm right well, I've got some experience in it. Sure, I thought. So, can you take you, you take a second, Tom, and kind of explain, you know, the background of where you come from, who you are, and just uh, kind of what you do. Sure. You mean to just jump in right? Yeah, now? jump right in head first. Okay. Um, so, uh, it's a it's kind of a funny story how I got into this industry, and I, I've been I've been a, I've been hunting something all my life. Um, it, it was just I think I really was born to hunt i know that's that's a funny thing to say but my my parents I mean, my dad was a hunter and you know i really wasn't around it but you know from the time i can remember i knew how many bb's i had in my bb gun every, you know <laughs> every day uh and so uh they and i ended up as a registered nurse working in the emergency room and i uh would i was working in a small hospital and, and 3 a.m., I was working 7 a.m., I mean, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, you know, 3 a.m. in a small hospital, either something bad had happened or I was just bored to tears, and I would braid lanyards to carry duck calls around your neck, <laughs> and and then I would sell those to local sporting goods stores and, you know, just to pay for my duck hunting addiction, and one, one time uh, 
a guy I traded, I think, 40 lanyards that I had very little money in for a Columbia quad parka, and I was super excited about it. Shoot you. On the way, on the way out, out the door, the guy said, hey, you don't make duck calls, do you? And I was like, well, not yet. But anyway, uh, I'll try to speed up the story. Um, a guy came in, had a punctured lung, and we put something in him called a Pluravac that has a, a, a trocar that goes into plural, plural space between your rib cage, and, and then it has this vinyl tubing that goes down to a water-sealed tank, and it just helps you to reinflate their lung. Anyway, we got him to ICU. He was fine. I was cleaning up the trauma room, and I saw that tubing, and I had this crazy idea to make a duck call out of this tubing. I worked on it. You know, I go home. You don't just go go to sleep after a you know working twelve hours in the emergency room. So I would do that in the mornings. You know, to wind down and and I'd make. I was working on making a duck call. Ended up making a pretty neat duck call, and got a patent on it uh, for a, an all flexible game call. I, I say duck call, but really the flexible design. Uh, you know, made a variety of game calls. In fact, when we came out, I started a company called Flex Tone Game Calls. This was back in 1997. Yeah, and uh, had many of your calls. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And the when I designed it, you know, and the duck call did did fairly well. That was my real passion time. Um, but when I came out with a deer call that you could squeeze it in different locations to to make a, a fawn, a doe, or a buck. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then also you could squeeze the other end to control the volume and inflection. Anyway, we sold the rip out of those calls. <laughs> and um, it, 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 uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, got to leave the, the hospital and, and uh, get into the hunting industry uh, with Flexstone Game Calls. Um, that was back, started in 97. I sold the company in 2007 and continued to design new products for them. Um, until 2016. Uh, so just recently I, then. Yep, yep. Um, I also started a company uh, in 2007. When when I sold them the company, it wasn't a full-time job for me. It was, you know, mainly new product development, just coming up with new calls uh, every year. But I started another company, uh, Professional Marketing Incorporated, and it's a sales agency in the southeast. We cover 10 states in the southeast, and we sell a variety of brands uh, montana decoys happens to be one of them mm-hmm. and so since i um it just the way you know i have some some windshield time going from account to account and and i like to design stuff uh and i i had been working on a, a new decoy uh you know we started you know years ago people started using a, a turkey fan to uh, you know, kind of crawl up on a turkey or, or show them the fan, and hopefully the turkeys would come to you. Mm-hmm. And and I started working on a, a decoy that was a uh, you know not just a fan, but you know uh, it had the basically not really three D and not really two D. You know, it's not a silhouette and it's not a full body decoy. Uh, you know, it's maybe four or five inches thick, but. Um, but basically, a decoy that you can fold—you can put real feathers in it, yet you can fold it up and put it in your turkey vest. Um, the uh, the first one 
that I designed was actually a pillow, a brown pillow, and and uh, and a red, a blue, and a white sock that my wife sewed up with uh, <laughs> some pillow batting in it for the head, and and then a and then a turkey fan, and I started crawling around and killing some turkeys using this <laughs> this this pillow, and uh and a uh, it did have a printed fan with uh, some feathers individual feather slots so you could instead of carrying a i don't know if you've ever done that you know they call it reaping a turkey when you you know crawling behind a deep boy um and i don't know if you've ever done it but if you're using a dried turkey fan you can't really uh carry i mean you can't put it in your turkey vest you can't put it in a decoy bag you just kind of have to carry the thing mm-hmm. around with you everywhere and that was kind of annoying to me so you know, I wanted something that you could, you know, instead of carrying a dry turkey fan, you pull individual feathers out of uh, a turkey's fan, and it has, and the decoy has slots for each individual feather. Oh, wow. And then it's, and it's basically, it folds up into four pie-shaped pieces and protect the feathers. It protects the feathers when you fold it up. And then it just has like a pillow body, and you fold that up, and you just stick it right in your turkey vest. And so, I had designed this decoy, but didn't really uh, have a place to. I didn't. I was my time with Flextone was coming to an end, and I was selling Montana decoys. And I don't know if, if you're familiar with the uh, Miss Perfect and the Jake Perfect mm-hmm. for Montana decoys, but they are. Uh, you know, a similar design, something that you, you know, they're full body decoys. Uh, basically, they're uh, springs inside a cone shaped spring that you can collapse and have, uh, they have the printed uh, fabric outside of the, the uh, springs and you can compress them and, you know, they're very, you know, easy to carry in a turkey vest. And so Montana was the perfect company for me to give my design to because they they were already basically doing the same thing, making a full-size decoy that you could collapse and carry in a turkey vest. So that's anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, it's been a a fun deal. And I showed, uh, I showed my design to, to CJ Davis at Montana decoys and we worked out a licensing agreement and, and, um, and he, we, they even decided to use my name on the decoy. My yeah, name saw that. Tom, Tom I was going to say, how, how'd you come up to the yeah. name of that uh, yeah, strutting right, gobbler? Right. The, the, the Wiley Tom is the name of the, the decoy, and, and uh, it just happens to be, it just happened to work for a, a gobbler decoy. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've killed a lot of turkeys with it, and, and uh, we're actually working on a Wiley Tom, too. Uh, right now, uh, another design. Any uh, excited and start talking about it? Tonight. Any uh, insights you want to give us here? Yeah, you know, first, uh, you know, first time reveals or anything like that. I'm sorry, first time what? You want to reveal any secrets on the uh, the new? The, the, uh, the new <laughs> now, today probably uh, get on me if I talk about, <laughs> too much about, about the new one, but uh, it'll it'll be. It'll be launching next year, and I'm I'm excited about it. I'll, I'll be out uh, 
been out testing it out and, and uh, trying to get some video footage with it and, and uh, hopefully have some good marketing uh, ready when, when we're ready to hit the market with it. That's well, and awesome. you, uh, you, you, have you put it to good use already? I know you got a turkey on the ground, right? I did. I killed one last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've had a, I've had a good season so far. I, I don't have quite as many turkeys on the properties that I hunt, uh, as I usually do. And, um, I've been hunting the, the Knoxby Refuge, uh, just outside of Starkville a good bit. Um, and those turkeys can be pretty tricky, but, uh, I've, I've been in some turkeys, and I, I've got one place that I've been kind of saving. Um, I've got a customer and a friend coming up uh, tomorrow, or he'll be here at 5 in the morning, I, and I do have some turkeys on that place, so I'm pretty excited about tomorrow morning. I, I think that we'll get some good footage tomorrow. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good. Yeah, there's one of the big things that we like about the Montana uh, decoys is the collapsibility that you mentioned with the springs. Um because one thing that turkey hunters really like to have is a lot of them like to have decoys, but a lot of them like to have their decoys being able to be collapsible and either being put in a pack or their turkey vest. And so that's one thing that's kind of sets your guys' uh, decoys apart from everybody, um, along with it, you know, yeah. that, that like that lifelike print on there and then um, kind of like that those feather cuttings that you have on there. So, Oh, the, the decoys look absolutely phenomenal uh work like a charm mm-hmm. and you know the, the great the great thing about those particular decoys is that i ca- i carry in my turkey vest i carry a hen a jake and a wily tom all in my turkey vest mm-hmm. um and you know there are uh times that i don't actually like to use a decoy but i sure do you know things change pretty quick when you're turkey hunting uh you know you may you may set up you may you know, be in the woods and, and hear a turkey gobbling in the woods. And you sit up and, you know, and it's thick enough to where you don't really need a decoy. Sometimes if, if I'm in woods and it's not just wide open, I don't use a decoy mm-hmm. because I kind of want the turkey to come look for me, you know. And, and some, you know, sometimes in the woods, if uh, if they see the, the decoy right there and they're out there at 75 yards, uh, you know, they'll sit out there and gobble, try to get the, get the hen to come, to them um but if they can't see the hen that they're hearing and it's you know it's not wide open they'll go look for the hen so you know if 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 the woods aren't wide open i typically don't use them but you know sometimes the turkey doesn't just fly down and and run straight at me sometimes there's hen uh you know around on the edge of a field or something like that and the next thing you know i've got to relocate and and now I'm in some wide open woods that I might need a decoy, or I'm in a field and mm-hmm. and need a decoy, or or I'm the turkeys, uh, you know, or with a bunch of you know the gobblers with a bunch of hens at the other end of a road bed or something like that, and I may need to get out there and crawl down the road uh, behind the wily tom, you know. So right. there's there's so many different circumstances in turkey hunting that. I like to have decoys with me, but I don't always use them. But, you know, the next thing you know, I sure would rather have them with me and not need them than need them and and not have them. them. Yep. Right, right. And and also, I don't like to carry an extra decoy bag with me everywhere. You know, I do a lot of running and gunning and, and, you know, just carry, you know, a couple, two or three full-size, you know, 
plastic or rubber or whatever materials they're made out of in a decoy bag is kind of cumbersome and, you know, heavy and, you know, um, you know, I probably average five, six miles a day if, you know, unless I kill one right off the the roost and, you know, I I just don't want to carry, you know, a decoy bag full of decoys with me everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I like about the Montana decoys. You you can you can deploy them when you need them, and if not, they're right there in your turkey vest, really not bothering you, and they're lightweight, and, and you can go. But mm-hmm. but there are certainly times that decoys are very important. Um, yeah. You know, if, if if I'm hunting in a in a field, I, I definitely feel like you need a decoy in a situation. Um, yeah. You know, if they they hear you calling from particular spot and they look over there and they know they should be able to see the hen that that they're hearing um you know i like them to be be able to look over there and see something Mm -hmm. yeah so i guess kind of having that all in mind um what we kind of like to do too is kind of focus our intent sometimes to the to that new turkey hunter or that new hunter kind of looking you know what's my next step in this area so kind of with everything that you just kind of mentioned there for someone that's kind of new to turkey hunting, like what should they be looking for in a decoy? And then maybe what, what should they have in their arsenal? Sure. Sure. Um, I guess, you know, to have every situation covered, I would like to have a couple of hens. I like to have a feeding hen and I like to have a looker or upright Mm -hmm. hen. Um, and then I also like to have a Jake. And then I like to have a, a strutter. Um, and so, you know, uh, four decoys would, would cover you for any situation there is. I'd say, I'd say my typical setup would be, well, it does vary, it, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it usually a hen and a strutter is what I, I put out. But if I'm in a, if I'm hunting an area, that, you know, let's say I've done a lot of scouting or if I have some trail cameras out and I know that there's not a whole bunch of birds out there and I would be concerned, you know, sometimes when you put up a strutter decoy like the Wiley Tom, um, if you put that up and the only gobbler on the property is a, a two-year-old or or let's say there were a couple of, couple of turkeys out there and you and you killed the big one, um, the other, the other bird, you know, a subordinate two-year-old Tom will sometimes be a little bit intimidated right. by a strutter decoy. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, if I'm hunting a place that doesn't have a bunch of gobblers on it, I may not put a strutter out. I may just go with the Jake and a hen mm-hmm. or, or a Jake and a couple of hens. But if I'm hunting in an area that I know it has a lot of gobblers on it, or there's a particularly large gobbler on the place that, that I really want to kill, um, then I always go with either one or two hens and the strutter and leave the jake in the bag. Yep. So just kind of depends on, you know, if, if you want to make sure that you don't scare a subordinate, you know, two-year-old Tom off, then don't put the, the strutter out. But if you're trying to kill a, you know, three or four year old turkey or 
you know that there's multiple gobblers out there, you know, because I have found that, you know, especially if they're still all ganged up together, you know, you put a strutter out and there's, you know, three or four gobblers together, they, they're not intimidated. You know, they they run right up to it and try mm-hmm. a little bit. So, um, so just kind of depends on what you're trying to do. To be safe, go with a jake and a hen. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it, it, so if, if you if you don't want to run risk of of scaring any gobbler, go with a jake and a hen or a jake and two hens. If I'm running two hens, I typically have one uh, a feeder and then one in a looker situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I like to put them, uh, you know, in range of, you know, of where I'm going to be sitting. But... I will off, you know, again, if I'm being real conservative, make, I want to make sure I, you know, kill every uh, turkey that might see the, the decoys. If I know where the turkey is coming from, I may put the decoys a little bit on the off side of me. So just in case, uh, you know, sometimes they, they can get a little decoy shy. If they, then, you know, if they were with another gobbler when he got shot around a, a decoy or or you know, for whatever reason, right, right. Occasion, occasionally they can become decoy shy. So if you, if the, let's say you know the turkeys are coming from the right side, you might want to put the decoys a little bit further to the left. That way you can get a shot before they actually, you know, get right up there. Right. I, however, I, I don't, I don't experience that very often. Um, and I sure do enjoy watching the turkeys just run right up to the decoys and, and, uh, whoop the Jake or, or the, the strutter that I've got out. Oh yeah. uh, That's a lot of, that's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of fun to watch. I was out uh, with my, with my brother one time and this is the first time he had been out turkey hunting. We were set up in a blind uh, about 150, 200 yards off of a roost and turkeys flew down. We didn't see them for about a good hour and a half, but then we had a, a flock of probably, I want to say around seven or eight jakes come busting into our our lone hen decoy that we had sitting up on an old logging road. And they were mm-hmm. kind of just milling around a little bit, but then right behind them were just four big old long beards just trotting in right behind them. Um, we didn't end up shooting any because he, he missed at about 15, 20 yards, but good thing he's not listening to <laughs> it. It happened. Yeah, but yeah. Um, that it was just a cool experience to see, you know, just a bunch, oh, yeah. bunch of turkeys just coming right into your decoys. But a lot of it has to do with the the situation that you're in. The setup is dictated by the situation. A lot of the times, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, like the time of the year and also the amount of hunting pressure, like you had mentioned, also have a big effect right. on, on what you're going to throw out. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, you know, it, and if uh, if the – Turkey. If there's been a just a ton of uh, hunting pressure and and the turkeys have seen every decoy out there, you know you may want to just go just run one hen or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I don't I don't change it the setup a whole lot. Uh, you know by the time of the year, um, you know I guess one thing that I would probably do early in the season I would definitely put out two hens if if I have them why is that later later on in the year i may go with one um well you know as as the season progresses 
uh, the hens start going to the nest. You know, early in the season, you'll have big flocks of uh, turkeys together. And and so oftentimes um, a turkey will look out in the field and there'll be multiple hens together. And it just seems like a, a little bit more natural setup. Whereas later on in the year, you know, uh, hens are starting to go to nest and, and you don't see as many hens out. And so you may want to uh, peel that back to, you know, just one hen with a strutter or one hen with a jay. You could also uh, have a setup with, you know, just a strutter and a jake, but I always, I, I always like to throw a hen out there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that, that's kind of my, my at least one go-to decoy that I'll have with me at all times. Mm-hmm. And then um, mm-hmm. I don't have a strutter that I've ever put out before, but I'll, I'll do a jake just because we primarily stick a lot to public land. And a lot of the mm-hmm. times, those those bigger birds are already taken, or if they are, they're they're pretty smart and they're a little shy around um, maybe certain calling tactics and decoy setups. But sure, um, sure. And I also like to just throw that Jake out just so I can entice any kind of Tom just to come yep. beat up on them. Well, you just don't run the risk of uh, of you know spooking any of the younger birds, right? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I and I have had many a gobbler uh, whoop a Jake decoy, but mm-hmm. they really, you know, when you've got a time, you know, they don't typically just run right in there to whoop a Jake. They'll walk in there and they'll whoop him a little bit. But, and sometimes when uh, you've got a, a strutter out there, they just, it just gets them furious and just they lights just them up a little. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so much fun to, to watch them running at a, Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of going off that a little bit, what I guess makes a certain setup more attractive over another in a turkey's eyes? You mentioned having, you know, the the two hens, maybe the hen and the jake and the hen and the strutter, but like what kind of sets them apart in terms of, I don't want to say success rate, but I guess, you know, just what, what makes it more attractive in the turkey's eyes? Well, you know, I don't know exactly what makes uh, one setup better, you know, or more attractive to a turkey than, than the next. You know, a turkey's brain is not very big. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that turkeys do a whole lot of reasoning, to be honest with you. Um, I actually raise turkeys. I, I'm, I'm a turkey fanatic. And, and uh, I, so I, it seems like you've done a little bit of everything. Yeah. Throw that out there. <laughs> Yeah, um, and so I'm around turkeys every day out here in my in my backyard, um, and they're just not really smart. You know, they don't they don't do a lot of reasoning. They they react and they're nervous about everything because you know basically everything in the woods would like to eat them, um, and so they they're just really skittish animals, and you know they're not curious really. Um, if they think there's danger, then they're going to bug out. Um, so, you know, if, um, as long as the decoy looks reasonably close, I think they just, they see a, a decoy there and they just make it to say, Hey, there's a, there's a Turkey right there. I don't think that they do a whole lot of reasoning to be honest with you. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, um, I, I just don't really overthink it. You know, sure. I basically, I, I put, if, if I'm in a field 
I put yeah. my decoys out. If I'm if I'm in the woods where it's not too, uh, you know, not wide open, I don't put decoys out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if if it's wide open, I put decoys out. I do think that they the turkeys they think to key on the eyes of a decoy. I think it's important that the eyes, you know, look good on the decoy. Um, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I insisted that the wild on had glass eyes. And, and um, you're, the the Miss Perfect and Jake Perfects that are shipping now also have glass eyes. Oh, cool. The eyes are the gateway to the soul, you know, right there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I've had... I've had I've had gobblers just sitting there pecking right in the right in the eye of the wily tom, and so I think that's important. You know, I think the colors on a strutter, you know, mm-hmm. are important. You know, they they signal something to a turkey, um, and you know, as long as the decoy is just the right color and and it's visible and sure, that's the posture that you know will really make uh, a mature child fired up or, you know, a gang or even a gang of two-year-olds, you mm-hmm. know, or, or a gang of jakes. You know, I've had a gang of jakes yeah. attack, yeah. you know. Uh, you don't typically see one jake jump, you know, run in there and attack a, a strutter, but a gang of jakes will. Um, so I really don't, I really don't overthink it a whole lot. That's you fair. know, if uh, I, I just... I typically just go with those setups, and and uh, and they typically work. So, you know, I, I I guess if I was wanting to, you know, if I was bow hunting, you know, I, yeah. I would I would always pay attention to the distance that I wanted to to shoot the turkey at, you know, and and I you know I, I pay attention to the you know how far away from uh, where I'm going to be sitting with a shotgun. You know, I think that's important. Putting them in the right spot, you know, I don't I don't put them all right on top of each other you know i I spread them out you know three or four feet or you know you could go a little further if you wanted to do um you know typically the gobbler is going to be following the hens so i put my i put my the gobbler behind the hen whichever direction um that i am you know Whatever direction on my hen's going, my gobbler's going to be a few feet behind her. My yeah. gate would be a, you know, a few feet behind her. So I, I do think that that's kind of an important deal. It, it would seem a little bit yeah. strange to have the gobbler, you know, have the hen following the gobbler. So I, right. I, I pay attention to that a little bit. Um, you know, I also, I'm, I'm right-handed, so yep. I, I want to make sure when I'm when I'm sitting down, I'm not going to put the decoys hard to my right. I'm going to put the decoys more to my left or, you know, or I'm going to sit on the tree, you know, with an angle to where my decoys are to my left because a right-handed shooter is much easier to move your gun to the left than it is far yeah. to the right. So, you know, I, I would pay attention to where I put my decoys and then, you know, and then I, w- I guess I would make sure I put my gobbler or my jake behind my hen. But other than that, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your, uh, when you're out, when you're going out, um, everybody's got, and it may not even be the best scenario, it's just their favorite hunting scenario. So maybe you're hunting out of a big oak, you know, craggly oak tree, or you're up at a pine tree, or 
for deer. Um, when, when you're hunting turkey, what's like, you see this setup and you're like, this is my favorite, most fun setup, um, or maybe most successful setup. What, 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 like, what comes to mind when you think something like that? Well, this spot that I'm going in in the morning, um, I've killed so many turkeys in this particular field. It's a, it's a fairly small field surrounded by mixed, mature, hardwood, and pine. Mm-hmm. And the field, the field's probably three acres, about three acres in size. And so it's not so big that they could get on one end of the field and ignore you. You know, they, they're going to, they're going to pay attention to your calling and to your decoys. If they, yeah. if they get into that field and, and, uh, it's just a spot that, uh, I have had so much success over the years that's probably one of the reasons that I'm thinking of this, you know, that scenario is, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm Mississippi and it's, uh, you know, I hunt a lot of hardwood swampy, you know, creek bottoms and such. And, and I, I like that a lot too, but as far as using decoys, you know, they're much more important in a field, I think. Um, you know, I, uh, also, you see a lot of gas lines or, or yep. power lines. Mm-hmm. Great opportunities to use a decoy. Um, yep. Food plots, uh, any kind of setup like that. You know, uh, some people don't like to run and gun. You know, some people would prefer to put the decoys out, hop up a blind, and do some calling and and uh, and wait. You know, and and in that situation, you know, on a food plot or a gas line or, you know, some other type of field, uh, you know, decoys make a, you know, that can really make or break a hunt, you know, not having, not having a decoy in that situation, uh, sometimes could be, you know, make things a lot, a lot tougher to be yeah. successful. Mm-hmm. But if you get, if, if I, if I had to pick. Yep. You got to fight. You got to pick one. A you got to pick one. A small, small field. Uh, got some cover in it, and surrounded by mixed mature hardwood and a little bit of pine. So you where know, you're I, going in the morning? I, that's where I'm going in the morning. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I cannot wait. Little piece of heaven. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, as we get done, I'm. I'm going to retire and uh, and get some sleep. And we're not coming out till we kill a turkey in the morning. Good now, stuff. I'm hoping. I'm going to get some video of one pecking the new Wiley Tom in the face right before yeah. he right before he gets some TSS in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I I don't know if I've uh, answered uh, all the questions. It, it it's really it's really not that not that you know not that tough. To no. Deploy decoys. I, I think uh, I think there's certainly situations that that uh, it'll really help make the hunt. I, well, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about. Um, in fact, other ways to use the wily tom. You mm-hmm. know, that yeah. we we did we did discuss. You know, your typical decoy setups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we I think we covered all that pretty well. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty well. But but. Um, you know, I mentioned that I hunt in the woods a lot. 
you know, creek bottoms and, and, you know, hardwoods. Well, you know, in nature, the gobblers, they're out there gobbling, and in, in nature, the hens go to the gobblers, typically. Yeah. You know, the gobblers don't, I mean, they obviously will go to the hens if the hens won't come to them, but they're, you know, when they're strutting and they're gobbling, they're showing off. You know, they're trying to get the hens to come to them. Yeah. And um, so the, uh, I'm getting a low battery. Uh oh. Okay, I'm I'm plugged in now. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, so the in nature, the gobblers gobbling, trying to get the hens to come to them, and oftentimes, especially in the woods, you know they'll they'll come to about seventy yards of where they think that hen is, and they will sit right there and they will strut back and forth and gobble their head off. I've had that. And, and wait on that hen to come to them, you know? So, you know, you, you struck a turkey, he was way off, you called at him a few times, got him really fired up, and and then you, you quit calling for a little bit, and, and next thing you know, it sounds like he's getting a lot closer. And you're, you're thinking, oh, man, this is it. I'm fixing to kill this turkey. And he comes from 150 or 200 yards. Next thing you know, he's at 75 yards. You're, you're getting ready to take your safety off only to find out he's going to hang up right there at 75 yards mm-hmm. and gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble yeah. and, you know, wait on that hen. And if he's, you know, if he has, you know, gotten close to being fooled before or, you know, if he's just a really cautious or, or older Tom, he may not come any closer right. if, if that hen doesn't show up. Well, so, you know, and I'm in this scenario, we're in the woods. And I'm, I, if it's, you know, not completely wide open, as I mentioned earlier, I don't have any decoys out. But I do have the Wiley Tom open and laying on the ground. I might have even thrown some leaves over on top of it yep. to just make sure it's not being seen. It's not part of the hunt. But let's say that turkey's out there hung up at 75 yards, goblin, 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 but it just will not come. He's been out there long enough to where you've, you're getting pretty worried. Well, when he turns around and, you know, his head's behind his fan or he goes behind a, behind a, um, he goes behind a tree or something, mm-hmm. you can, you can just all of a sudden pick that wily Tom up and show it to him, you know, next. And you know, so then, so then when he comes around, you know, comes out from behind that tree or, you know, when he turns around and he looks in there to where, uh, he was, you know, looking for that hen to show up, all of a sudden he sees a, a, a tom in there, you know, that's going to make him pretty mad, and he, he'll he come into that. Um, you know, another thing about having it in your hand there is moving it around a little bit makes a big difference there. You know, they, they, they see that, that movement. Mm-hmm. That, really, that really will get them excited. Now, I do want to say I don't do that on public land. You know, I yeah, only I can, do yeah, I only, I only do that on on private property and property that I am a hundred percent sure that there's nobody else around. Um, you know, I don't really, you know, I, I definitely don't want anybody out there holding a decoy, moving it around uh, on a place that there could possibly be any other hunters out. But but that works like a charm. Hmm. You know, other. Other times, you know, especially out west, people are, or we mentioned reaping earlier, but 
that's a big deal out, you know, in Nebraska and, and you know, all these Mary, and there's no telling how many Merriam's turkeys have died in Rio, um, you know, from people crawling behind a fan or a decoy or, or you know, and the Wiley Tom is absolutely perfect for that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's even got a little window in the fan that you can pull down so you can, you don't have to look around it, you can look through the decoy. Um, you know, there's a well the the turkey the picture on the on the box for the Wiley Tom was a really nice turkey. He was killed in Alabama, and I'll tell you the scenario of how I killed that turkey. I was I had gotten on this turkey earlier that morning and got really close to killing him. There was some hens involved. Uh, got the hens talking back to me, and and here they come. Oh, by the way, this turkey, I walked away from a, a turkey that was gobbling that was close to me to go to this turkey because his gobble was so impressive. Loud, deep, he had it all. I knew he was a big turkey just by listening to him. And and I'd gone over to hunt that turkey that morning, got really close, had him within 40 yards, but there was a little bit of brush between us. A hen just about stepped on me and, and spooked and ruined the whole deal. Well, I, I went back to that spot around two o'clock in the afternoon maybe one one thirty or just after lunch and i was it was a big pasture going down into some hardwoods and and i they were in the hardwoods that morning and i was going through the pasture and i i saw a hen in the same area where i had seen him earlier that day but i was out in this pasture and i wanted to get into the woods with them to to start calling mm-hmm. so i got the wily tom out and I started crawling in the pasture behind the Wiley Tom just to hide from that hen. I didn't want to spook the hen. I was just trying to get to a tree. I didn't see a gobbler anywhere. And I am crawling uh, behind behind the, the Wiley Tom trying to just not spook the hen. And all of a sudden, I hear a, a twig snap to my right just a little bit, and I kind of look over in that direction. And he, the gobbler has seen me crawling behind that decoy and, and is on a full-out run straight <laughs> to me. Uh, when I saw him, he was about 40 yards. And by the time I could get my gun uh, up and off safety, he was I shot him at about 10 yards. Uh, wow. Inch and a half spurs. It was, it was a, a, anyway, that, that, in that scenario, has happened multiple times, you know, and if you've got a turkey out in a wide open field and he just absolutely will not come to your your setup or your calling, you can just you know you can just mm-hmm. get out there and start crawling to them. Sometimes, sometimes they won't come to it. You know, especially if right. they've got hens with them. Um, you know, if if a gobbler's got a hen or two with them, they might not. They're probably not going to leave that hen, but they'll probably let you crawl. You know, don't you don't have to get in a rush. Crawl right up there and. Right. Eventually, you'll be in range. Um, if they don't have hens with them and they see you crawling around behind that thing, typically they're going to come running at you. Jared, are you going to try that this year? I might have to, man. You're you're talking it up like it's going to be the best thing in the world for me, and I, you know, it really does. Yeah, private land, though, man. You can get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're on private land for sure. <laughs> the uh, um, it works. It works better than I mean. Merriam's and Rio's just—they really fall for it. But and a lot of people, you know, say that easterns uh, are harder to kill like that. But I've had pretty good success on easterns as well. Yeah, it all, yeah. 
it kind of comes down to also, you know, just having that experience in all these situations. Um, experience helps you learn. The the mistakes you make help you learn. So it's you just got to get out there and kind of maybe practice setting up too. Um, and always sure. just trying to, to better yourself and better your practice, so to speak. But, uh, Tom, yeah. we – we really do appreciate you coming on. We're going to be conscious of your time because we know you got to wake up early tomorrow morning and hopefully uh, put a bird on the ground, and uh, we're excited for you. I can't um, wait. Where can people uh, listening come and find more about maybe you or some of the work that you're doing? Well, there's some information on uh, Montana Decoys, uh, montanadecoy.com, I believe. I hope that's right. Um, yep, that's right, yep. Yep, and then um, I also um, uh, speak every now and then at uh, wild game dinners or things like that, and uh, I'm booked through uh, a ministry called Kingdom Outdoors. Um, and so you, there's a little bit about me on uh, KingdomOutdoors.com, um, and you know, like I said, uh, Montana Decoys got plenty of information about mm-hmm. the decoys we've been talking about as well. Yeah, you guys all. Yeah, you guys also have a fantastic uh, turkey decoy guide uh, in a PDF format. That I think it's available on the website. Yeah, uh, I know I've been looking at it. There's two of them. There's a regular and then there's a 2.0 version. Yeah, it's it's really good information for anyone looking just for uh, setup tactics, uh, hunting tips for that particular setup, and then what product you need to use in that setup. So it, it's great stuff. Great stuff. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, Tom, thanks again for coming on, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. And, and like I was mentioning to you earlier, Jared, I'm trying to kill one in all, all the other states, and I don't have Michigan on my list. So. Well, come on you up. We'll help you out. That's it. <laughs> all right. Good all right. deal. Thanks, yep. guys. I, I really appreciate it. Yep. Y'all, y'all Thank have, you. Uh, y'all have a good evening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting.